When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to She Podcast, episode 394. Yes, that's right, we are almost at 400 episodes. None of us can believe it, especially <laughs> those of you who are talking to us, those of us who are talking to you. We cannot believe it. We are talking to each other, we cannot believe it. You can watch us live 1 p.m. every Monday, so if you're watching live, and so far I don't see you, hi, <laughs> nice to see you. Um, if you're listening, all three of you, hi, nice to see you. Thank you for coming to the show today. I think I said this already, but I'm Jessica Kupferman. With me, as always, the very perky-haired Elsie Escobar. I had to put my hair up. She looks very cute today. I, on the other hand, must have skipped a step in the in the hair gel sequence. Because I look as if I've been electrocuted. This is a one-time no. only deal where you can come on live. Although now that if you're listening, it's over. Yes, I do. I fully look as if I stuck my hand in a light Rita. socket. It's fine. Yay. It's flowy. I love it. I always love the way that she constantly says things like that. But it, but again, it's not, you know, this is a very personal thing. So it's like, if you think you've got something going on, you see it and you can't unsee it. Whereas where I look at Jess, I think she looks great. This is Thank my you. thought. Look it's at how true. cute her sweater is. It matches the background. Her ah, little hair is like, it looks it like a little bit of a hello. I don't, hello. Halo. Hello. Hello. Her makeup is great. It matches as well. Like, I'm not going like whatever electrocution look like. No, I don't but go you like, love oh, me. You're you biased. Like You're biased. You I love me. Biased. Yesterday, Isaac told me he thought he was too fat. And I was like, I was like, first of all, there's no such thing as too fat. You can do everything that skinny people can do. You can travel. You can get girlfriends. You can get married. You can do what any, all, any of the things you want to do. And he was like, okay. And then I go, plus, being ugly is way worse. And he was like, all right, I'll give you that. <laughs> All right, we started. So the here's show what's and here's what's the topic. Elsie has threatened to break up with me, and before I tell you why, here's the story that I want to relate to you because I was reading it just yesterday, and then in my head, I was trying to come up with ways Elsie and I would break up. But now I know because she's already threatened me. But here's <laughs> number one. So Opie and Anthony, for those of you who don't know or have been living under a rock, Opie and Anthony were very, very famous shock jock syndicated. They had like a radio show with Jim Norton, comedian Jim Norton, and they were best friends for 20 and maybe even 30 years. And then Anthony tweeted something. I think he had an altercation with an African-American woman and then tweeted about it, something racist. And then he got fired. Sirius XM fired him. And everyone, you know, on staff did everything they could to get Anthony his job back. They would not budge. They would not hire him mm. back. Opie did everything he could. Jim did everything he could. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, Anthony was being interviewed and said something like, if it were me, I would have threatened to quit. But Opie didn't think to do that. And I was like, let me tell you something. First of all, if I ever tweeted anything racist, Elsie would just stop speaking to me full stop. Like our relationship would be over. Yeah. First, yeah. she would find out if I had been hacked okay? Cause she, or, you know, lobotomized. Then... She would never speak to me again, much less try and get my job back. That noise. No way. No way. I know for sure she'd be like, friendship, pfft, over. We're done here. 
So I don't know why he thinks he should get his job back for doing something so incredibly stupid. But then Anthony went to, like, I guess Opie's brother had a bar, has like a restaurant. And Anthony shows up at the bar like a month later, a month or so later. And he goes, and he tweets, I've been here 20 minutes already and there's no free drink in my hand. Which was a joke that Opie did not find humorous. Because, you know, he was like, no, 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 we'll take, you know, like, I'm sure that it made Anthony sound like a diva. It like put some kind of pressure on Opie to like, you know, VIP take care of him in some way. And like, I don't know, he took it very, very personally. Anthony says it was a joke, but that was just the beginning of like the end of their relationship. Like they didn't, you know, I guess the problem is that Anthony didn't say he was upset about any, you know, he never told Opie, like, you should have threatened your own job. He just dished about it on another show. They did not communicate. Like, every single little fight they had was because Anthony was not telling Opie, like, how he was feeling about something, which is the hardest thing to do in any relationship, right? Is tell yeah. someone how you're feeling. It is so much easier to fester and let it sit and let it rot in your soul, and your mind. Like, it's so much easier. I mean, it's not easier because your relationships get ruined, but, like... It made me very grateful that you and I talk to each other. Even if we're angry, we both go out of our way to be uncomfortable to solve whatever it is. I don't sit and fester about shit with you. Hopefully you don't sit and fester about shit with me. I know that there's some like, because there's a business that, and I have, you know, and we're just being honest because that's what we do on the show. Like, there's nothing festering, but there is an undercurrent of us trying to like, you know, the business part of this is still new considering like it happened during a pandemic or right before. So like we have a staff now and Elsie has a full-time job and like we're constantly trying to navigate not just like, you know, everyone's role and like what we can say and what we can't say, you know, and it's tricky. It can be tricky. I mean, I mean, I don't think that we're res in, I mean, at least I don't have any resentment towards her maybe she does towards me i don't know but like i i there's nothing like that that's like making me so upset and festering like even if i even if i wish elsie could do something else like i understand why she does what she does and i'm sure vice versa i'm sure elsie wishes that i could go back to the way things were and maybe i wish that you know i could hire her full time and maybe we want different i don't even know who knows but like i'm not over here festering about it that said She's going to break up with me if I don't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So we have some news today about the podcasting industry that very much hits home. So we can, I don't know if we should start with that or if we should Why start with our that? membership. Let's do that. I mean, we Let's may as well because it's a good segue. So this is what we were talking about. So like there's a, um, you know, here we have a couple different articles. One is about NPR. Yep. One is about Spotify. And it's basically the podcast industry is like, on a diet, a spending diet. They're doing massive layoffs. They are cutting their marketing budget. And as a result, it's harder for them to support everything. But specifically, our event is getting difficult for people to support. And so right before we started recording, we started discussing what it is that we should do about it. You know, like, even though there's lots of people that ask me if I'm doing another one, when's the another one? Like, like I have to make sure that this one does not bankrupt me because if it does, I can't do another one. I just will not do another one. If like, if it's this risky every time and last time it was risky because of COVID and this time it's risky because I don't know, recession layoffs, a variety of things, but like, it's just getting hairy. So like, she's like, if, if you go through this again, I don't know. It's over between us. She's like, <laughs> I don't think I can do it again. She doesn't like watching me be in pain. 
And who would? When you love someone, you don't want them to be in pain, but you don't break up with them either, Elsie. That's all I'm saying. Listen, that's not what I'm saying, dude. I'm saying like, and you were like, but you don't love me. Well, listen, you got to make the right choices to take care of yourself kind of a thing. I'm not saying I won't love you. It has nothing to do with no love. I was just looking at in terms of the news that are being put out, you know, I think that part of what we've we've been seeing in terms of who's being laid off and what they're cutting, especially when they start to trim to trim what they think needs to be it's trimmed. It's always in marketing, first of all. It always ends up being, yes, there are marketing Stupid. budgets that are cut, for sure. But there's How are you also get sales with no marketing dummies, first of all. Don't cut your marketing. But people don't understand that. Sheesh. It's like you have to constantly be Figuring that out, first of all. Cut the 800 tech guys sitting around with their fingers in But then you you cannot do that either, though, Jess, because that's also a problem. And that actually is more meaningful because it's like this. You can make a restaurant, like I'm thinking in terms of marketing, um, for like restaurants, right? Let's Mm -hmm. let's think about the, the restaurant ecosystem. I could see people starting to cut hostessing positions. And mind you, lots of people come in to look at the host or to the host do so much for a restaurant, but you don't know what they do until they're not there. But you can coast. No, no, no. It's not like cutting the hostesses. It's like cutting the radio advertising. No one will come to the restaurant if they don't know that it's there. And this is basically whether you cut marketing and it's like no more newspaper ads, no more radio ads, no more business. Whereas like cutting hosting, cutting waitresses, that's like cutting people who are in like product development, for example. Maybe don't develop three products a year and then you could market the ones you already have. I don't think that that's the case. I, I think, think that, no, because what's happened, what I'm telling you is that the ho- you can cut the hosts and you can even cut the wait staff a all little right, bit, maybe. not all the way. What you cannot cut are the cooks. Is love. No, I'm kidding. No, the cooks in the kitchen, because the you cooks, in the, cooks in the kitchen are the ones that can- are actually making the food. Now, now here's, but here's the thing. The marketing is about more acquisition. What we're looking at right now is let's just keep the regulars happy. The regulars are expecting to come in. They already, they don't need the marketing because they're already coming every week. We need to make sure they stay coming because our food is on par. So you're not going to let go of the host and the, and the wait staff if you're going to let go of the cooks. So that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing the fact that we're just trying to make yeah. this continue and keep going until we get to the point where we are going to be doing more acquisition. You're right. Yeah, you're so right. So that's what I mean. Yeah, okay, I understand. Okay, so then yeah. like even if you cut like the radio marketing, it doesn't matter because the people are not listening. Like the, your regulars are still going to be coming. The people who are still going to be there, they're still going to be there. They don't need the marketing for you. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're trying to do. Just... Make sure the cooks keep cooking and they keep making the food in the same way that we're doing it before. Let's not create more than one or two new dishes. That's it. Let's keep that going. That's what I'm seeing. And and unfortunately, in terms of like cutting the marketing, that's one layer. But the other layer is the fact that all of the diversity initiatives that a lot of folks started to put it on in play in 2020, because that's when it was cool to do so, are first, the majority of them were not implemented to their full degree. Okay. Two, they just didn't fulfill what they said they were going to do. 
So it's it's like you wrote a PR thing and said, we are going to do we are going to commit X amount to be able to support this group of people. And everybody's like, yay. But none of that has happened or some of it has been like maybe like 10 to 30 percent of such commitment of funds have happened, but not really. So we talked about the layoffs at NPR. The majority, I would Wait, say, we 70- didn't talk about the fact that they're killing Invisibilia, which yeah. is like one of the most famous podcasts ever. Correct. Absolutely. And it's most of them, crazy. 70% of what you see, or I think 80% possibly is not as woman led. And yeah. I would say about 50% of their hosts are people of color. The ones that oh, are being I didn't let know go that. Of. So then like Louder Than Riot, it's a black women man. I haven't listened to it, so I'm, I'm I didn't know that. sorry, folks. I I'm didn't even look at That's this. That's not cool. I think Rough Translation is a man. It looks like I, I'm looking at pictures, by the way. I don't know enough to even comment on this, guys. I'm, I'm doing the research on the fly because I was trying to look. Yeah, he's a guy. So Gregory Warner. So there's a dude. But I believe that... The rest of them are all women-led or at least people of color-led. So I that. that sucks. And that's another thing where it's just like... Such bullshit. God. Yeah, Emma Choi is the one. So there's... Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cut. Ah, I mean, I know. I know this because... So we have a sponsorship set up with SiriusXM and both of our, both of our contacts were let go. And both of them, I believe, are people of color. Yeah. It's a bitch. It's crazy. So Invisibilia, it looks like uh, three women, Louder Than Riot, Woman Man, Black, both. The one, everyone and their mom, Asian woman, and the only white dude is the one for rough translation. So that's a pretty high uh, <laughs> percentage. Yeah, it's crazy. Of, it of, is. Of who they let go. So anyway, but there's that aspect of it. But also Spotify this was an article that was in Mashable and many other different places. This is the headline for that. Spotify hasn't spent much of its 100 million diversity fund. Uh, the streaming platform pledged to fund diversity initiatives following controversy around podcaster Joe Rogan. Mm. It seemed that they did that as a way to sort of counteract some of the stipulation. This was actually a report that came from Bloomberg. So the original reporting was from Bloomberg. So they really brought out to say that that over 10 million of the fund has been spent. However, they cited Glow, an initiative to support LGBTQ creators and nailing it, a podcast hosted by three black women as avenues where the money has been spent. Additionally, this week, Spotify announced a partnership with Spelman College, a historically black women's college, which is true. I saw that. It looks that's super thrilled to provide scholarships for students interested in podcasting. I think that to me is a that that's amazing. But it looks like the money was supposed to be distributed over three years and people familiar with the matter told Bloomberg, but due to a lack of structure and shifting priorities at the company, which is speak to let's not get rid of this money right now in this way, that plan has not materialized. Oh, that's a shame. So they and they were there. The fund was still determining its 2023 budget at the start of the year and hadn't yet determined priority projects, which is you know, I mean, you could, I mean, this would be a good time to be like, um, we are, you can fund us. Yeah, don't worry. I'm there. The problem is all the contacts I know, I believe they just got their budget for the year and it's March. Normally they get them in December. So right. they've been hemming and hawing about how much money to give each department all year already. 
So I don't know that they're going to fulfill that $100 million thing. I mean, but now that we have a 501c3, it sounds like they're partnering with nonprofits. And and now that we have established one that is separate from She Podcast, hopefully they can help us fund that. So then we can actually, you know, not hurt from sponsors that pull out and then also send people for free. What I'd really like to do is like send 100 people for free. Yeah, I'd like yeah. someone to I'd like someone to underwrite that. Like I can't I can't just give them a free ticket because you know, we we are serving breakfast both days and you know, we have other obligations that we need to that we need to pay for. So I'd rather have a company, you know, that fund people that really 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 want to go. So. Um, and then Rita saying an article I found said those shows unfortunately never really had true institutional support. And I think that yeah. that's what we're seeing now that's with is Gimlet, right? Well, actually, what's been happening, you know, there's like all kinds of stuff like Crooked Media. Just there was another show that was canceled and it seemed like what they had going on in there was was a little interesting in the sense that. <sighs> Once there is a network supporting you, you do have to abide by the power that whoever's in power and they can take away things from you. Like I'm being very vague about stuff just because it's very hard to speak about things (laughs) sometimes. It just looks like right now it is a a very challenging uh, landscape, I feel, in totality out there because... Like I mentioned at the beginning about making sure that the regulars continue to come to eat at the restaurant, it's not really being able to, in terms of podcasting, break the the existing models that have already started to or have historically been growing in this space to yeah. plant new seeds and beautiful wildflowers and all kinds of diversity around. But we're going to try or we and I'm saying we because we're all part of the industry here, going to try to really just double down on the stuff that's working and not really think about anything that's going to be remotely problematic or problematic in the sense of growing it. So in other words, just stick your hand in the sand and pretend it's not happening. (laughs) Pretend. Is that not what you just said? No, no. I'm saying it's hard to pretend that you care about diversity projects now. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't like you're just going to be like, yeah, let's pull the funding from anything that is remotely uh, general. Let's just continue to historically exclude the people that have been historically excluded. Let's just double down on that. (laughs) I know it's that's all I'm saying. (laughs) So. So, yes, we talked about Invisibilia and Spotify. Okay, got it. Okay, so speaking of like not supporting the people that you've always not supported, let's talk about the <laughs> article from the podcast host about how oh, yeah. video increases the gender divide in podcasting, which I think is both fascinating and really hits home for me. Yes. Okay, so before we talk about that, I'm going to shout out Lindsay Harris Friel because I got to say to you, well, this person is one of my most favorite writers in podcasting at the moment. She is, I don't think anybody's mentioning this, her at all. I told her specifically that I love her writing. Mm -hmm. Anything that, if you go over to the podcast host.com 
and you search for her name. And plus, in the show notes, you will see this article there. So even if you click through in the show notes and you click through to Lindsay's byline and then see the articles that she's written, Mm -hmm. the quality of content she writes is astounding. This is amazing, amazing, amazing work. It is. She's a really good writer. She is is phenomenal. And she does an insane amount of research. And anyway, whatever. I'm just saying anything that Lindsay writes, everybody needs to read. But she wrote this specific article early in March, and I've had it in the back burner for a while. So the title is, How Does the Video Increase the Gender Divide in Podcasting? So can you give us some high-level points, Jessica, of the things that really stood out to you? First of all, the hurdles for women in video are are not the same as the ones in podcasting, but Apparently, it's always been the case that seeing your own face on a screen for too long can distort your self-perception. I don't know how. It just seems like a big wake-up call to me every time. (laughs) I don't know what's distorting about that. But apparently, the rise of visual media has resulted in tyranny of the camera. People feel the need to make their faces in real life the way that they digitally appear on screen. So there's like a huge uptake in what's invasive cosmetic surgery procedures. The demand for them have grown. Body dysmorphia has been exacerbated by being isolated from the pandemic. And women are going to be way, I mean, not totally more affected, but much more, you know, 35% of Americans said that a woman's most valuable attribute is her attractiveness. So that's That's one in three people will value you simply based on whether or not you're good looking. So, yeah, yeah, it's probably very scary not to be the most good looking that you can possibly look. So and mind you, there are links to all of these sentences. So it is backed up by facts, if you will, or surveys. But there's one last sentence in, in a paragraph here that Jess was just reading off of. And it says, recently, a member of our podcast community told us she'd lost her enthusiasm for podcasting because of the emphasis on video. And well, I really sad. think you don't have to do everything. Well, I know, Jess, is. but here you have to understand that as you know, like one of the reasons I got into podcasting is because there wasn't video. I know. I'm not crazy about it either. Because about that, mind you, I am in it and I'm, and I'm doing it and, and I, I feel okay and and comfortable. I, I, mind you, there are other things in this article that really, but I've never been crazy about it either. Right. And I think that part of it is also the level of prep time that I have to do so that I can get behind the camera is so annoying. I know. Because I can't do quick things. Like, it's not like, like if somebody's like, hey, Elsie, can you please re-record this? I'd be like, oh, sure. I can really quickly come here, turn the thing on and give you an amazing recording. But not if not I just, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's just so annoying. We, so we annoying. Have to, we, you don't have to put yourself on video. I personally hate it. I mean, there's a very, very good reason why I did not make a, I started with a video podcast and I was so distracted by the by how I looked and the editing of it all that I quit. But my first 10 episodes of Lady Business Radio are audio extracted video shows, which were, you know, half hour and edited to be hilarious. But it took me four hours per episode for a half hour show. It was fucking crazy. So I stopped doing that. Also, I was very distracted by my hair, which we've already established is distracting me also today. So yeah, it's not good for people necessarily, the video thing and the emphasis on video and constantly being on, you know, I mean, I mean, I am suspicious, actually, that that's the whole reason why we started doing contouring 
and making our faces just with makeup look different than you know, they do. There's also another level, and I've been we've been ta- we've talked about a lot of these issues in my other show, <laughs> the Fuzzy Logic podcast, because we do talk about some of the social, ethical, and and you know law legal issues around some of this stuff. Yeah. And one of the things that I've been really pondering about is the fact that what does that socially or ethically do to us? The images that we're seeing of ourselves, even in the cell phones, right? If you're doing, mm-hmm. if you're doing selfies and things like that, those are computational renderings of your face. Mm-hmm. The iPhone and any of the other smartphones out there that have Wait. those killer cameras, that's computational. That has zero to do with the actual reality of what you look like. It's the way you should be horrified or grateful. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so part of it is you're not getting a real a reality of what you actually look like to a human that's in front of you looking at you. Right. So you're like, Oh my God, I got got a really super cute selfie shot. Right. And you're like all in the lighting and all that stuff. That's computationally helping to make you look beautiful or whatever. Of course. If somebody sees you in real life, you're not going to look like that. And I even venture to say, what is it that we look like? I don't even know. Because now every time we're on screen. Probably we all look like walking potatoes, if I had to guess. <laughs> <laughs> we're like potatoes with a broom <laughs> on the top. like a. <laughs> like but hair. it's crazy. Okay, so we talked about the whole, what an annoying thing it is. Because I got to say, it takes forever to put like makeup on, a little lips. Like I oh, feel like I have to look nicer. Just to do this. Like, this isn't I, even all that great. I have to say, I didn't take very. I just like, but anyway. Okay, but I had um, to add. I did my lashes this morning. Like I did other stuff. That that took a good fifteen. Minutes. And so, okay, so let's talk through what we do in the morning. No, no, no. Damn. Why you did that? Like, okay. why? Why did you spend the time to make yourself pretty for the screen? Oh, well, now that you put it like that, it's sad. But like, I I have been wearing fake lashes. I found a system that I really like. And I've been wearing fake lashes every day for the last two weeks, Monday through Friday, because it makes me feel prettier on camera. It makes me feel less self-conscious. It makes me feel like it pulls my eyes out. And then people stop looking at my double chin, basically. Right. No, I mean, listen. I'm completely self-conscious without them. And I feel like a troll. And that's that's the truth, actually. I mean, like, that is, I could not say it any better. I know I'm not a troll, but, like, because of the weight I've gained and because I'm, I'm older now, like, I've never quite felt this way before. But in the lashes, I feel, you know, pretty and feminine and, attra- you know, it, it feels different than being, than without them. Without them, I feel like, I don't know, like I said, a potato with a broom on its head. <laughs> I think that's that every person that just heard you say that, I feel they absolutely relate to that. And yeah. I have been blessed with genes that help me be more in alignment with what our culture deems as beautiful. Just say you're pretty and shut up. I'm just saying that. that. I'm just giving you, listen, I'm just saying that. Okay, but here's the thing. Even with doing that kind of stuff, there's also that layer of this is really pretty lighting and it makes the camera look nice. Like I look nice in this camera. It's really nice. 
And then there are times when I'm at the other computer, right? When I'm doing a lot of meetings and whatnot. And then I turn that camera on. I immediately, I'm like, holy crap, I'm old. And so now I see, I see how old my face looks. And again, listen, y'all, we're being real here. Please don't say like, oh, but you're so pretty. Like, fuck that shit. I'm telling you that this is just like the way Jess said, it makes me feel pretty when my eyelashes, that is something that I don't care like what other people think. It's for me. Like when I turn the camera on and I'm like, fuck, I look so old. It's not that I'm against aging or anything like that. It's just that it's for my internal sense of self. Like I want to feel good. And so having a little blush here and there, making sure that the lighting is right. And all of that is, I think, defeating in so many different ways. And then when you think about the presence of video everywhere right now, and, and the pressure to, to look perfect or even presentable yes, or yes, even professional yes, is enormous. It's enormous. Absolutely. And it brings even more pressure to things, for, especially for women. It is so much more of a heavier burden. Yeah. It's so much heavier because a dude is going to get behind the camera and it doesn't matter what angle. I don't think I've ever looked at a picture of a guy and been like, he needs better lighting. Like, I literally have never done that. Like, I just don't think of their faces and and I tend to, to just be in meetings and it's no big deal. But then I feel the pressure that I need to look good. I feel it like nobody's told me that. Nobody has said that's not necessarily you need to look video. But yes, I mean, that is but it, but I think what the pressure does is like, so for example, like, you can look back, I've used to record this show during the pandemic. And I mean, I look like I've been dragged behind a truck on some of those, like, and it was fine with me. This show is the one that I don't care about in terms of my face. Today, I did put my lipstick and my like, blush and what kind of stuff. But this is the show that I usually am like, you know what? It's like a rebellious thing for me where I'm like, I don't have to put makeup on for this one. I don't have to brush my hair. And so if you look back at us, a lot of our stuff, sometimes I wear zero makeup. I just I don't even brush my hair. Yeah. Yeah. The pressure doesn't come from from recording. It's actually like when I'm not on video, I now feel like I can't leave the house without looking a certain way. And also, like, with my husband, like, I sort of feel like this is how I've looked every day for three weeks. So, like, on the weekends, I I do feel kind of like a troll if I don't have the lashes on. Mm. I don't have my hair done. Like, if my hair's in a bun, like, I kind of feel like a troll. But the thing about getting ready and not getting ready, I'll just give you an example. Like, I went to a girl's camp, a girl's summer camp. It had a, it had a brother camp. So, I had cousins and friends that were at Camp Airy. I went to Camp Louise. It was all women. I mean, there was absolutely no pressure to get dressed on a regular basis. It was like, wake up, go to breakfast in your pajamas, throw your hair in a thing. We stunk. We were filthy, disheveled. You know, and this is, like, I mean, not, you know, when I was 18, but, you know, like as a kid, it doesn't occur to you. And then, and then there would be the nights where we had a dance with the boys camp. And I mean, getting ready was like three hours long. Everyone, you know, because it's two showers and 14 girls and we have to borrow each other's clothes and do our hair and curl my hair and let me blow dry yours out. What lipstick is that? What eye- Does anyone have any eyeshadow? Like it was like a whole to do if we had one day. And then my friend Jennifer, you guys, many of you have met because she's my event planner. 
Jennifer and I would stand in a corner and be like, let's just go home and eat. This is not worth all the time that it's <laughs> that we took to get ready. Like, it's so much better if we can just go home, sit in our underwear, play our stomachs like drums, and eat our snacks. Like, all that work. For what? For what? It's a lot it's of just work. Ridi- but, you know, but we can't show up with our messy hair in a bun having just, you know, learned archery. Or right out of the pool. I'm very grateful that I never had to look a teenage boy in the face after getting out of a pool with a bathing cap on. No. You know, I, but yeah. but so there's always been that pressure when when there's co-edness to like dress for not just yourself and not just the men, but also the other women who are going to be there, you know, and feel your best and look your best. But I do feel like video has put an additional well, first of all, it's put an additional pressure on me to do video, which I don't feel like doing. Like I said, I can be it's really self-conscious. And and also, most people really like video because, you know, like they think that public speaking or standing up in front of an audience is a fate worse than death. Well, let me tell you, if you're entertaining or funny and you do video and you don't get immediate response, it's like telling a joke into a tunnel. What am I supposed to do? Laugh at my own damn joke? I'm talking about video in general. Like I want, I'm creative. I want to make TikToks. I want to do podcasts. I want to talk to the audience. I don't want to do it by myself. I don't want to feel like there's no, that I'm talking to nobody. And that's why I don't like it. Yeah, but you just said that like you don't get direct response with doing video. It's the same thing with audio though. Like, I, I mean, I guess you get response from me as in laughing. I don't have to stare at myself while I'm doing audio. This is I can true. Just, I can stare out the this window, think my thoughts, Say what's from the heart, write things down, you know, doodle. I mean, I used to do all kinds of shit when we were recording Me without too. doing video. And so, and I guess, you Not know, anymore. that's the other thing. I make Now this- I have to stare at the top of my computer and pray it looks like I'm looking at you, even though this is me looking at you. Yeah, this, this is, is me, me looking, pretending like, to look at I you. I do the same thing. Like, I have to look over here, although this is me looking at you. This is me looking at you. This is like, me looking I, at you. This is me looking at the computer. So this is helpful sometimes, too, because I can actually look st- it's easier for me to make eye contact with the camera sometimes because it's a softer thing. But here's the other thing that happens with me. I try to put you right under it so that it does look like I'm looking. One thing that I've noticed is that when I have to do a meeting where there's cameras and there's a screen, Mm -hmm. I am twice as more tired after I come out because the energy that it takes to be so like focused is so much. And then even if I'm not focused, like, let's say this is again, that's the camera and I'm trying to look at you. Right. But let's say I'm trying to look here and I'm not just looking at you. I'm actually looking at like 10 faces. Then I'm looking at everybody's faces and I can't focus. And I'm like, what the f- what's happening here? And then and then what I used to do and I'm, I'm starting to do that again is I would just have all my pens. And so when everybody was talking, I was just doodling because it was. Helping me let go of the pressure of my brain, of my eyes, actually, because I'm like, it helps me listen. (laughs) And I often think while looking up, like when I'm thinking, I mostly look look at this. Yeah. So like, so I rarely look at the person I'm talking to when I'm thinking, which is also awkward. I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't want to say that I hate video. I'm used to it probably by now, but it's certainly not my first choice. I definitely stare at myself way more than I do anything else, anyone else. And then that makes you want to change the things that you see, notice your flaws, ruminate over them, think about how to fix them. Like, the last couple of weeks, I've been on Zoom five, six hours a day, which means that's five or six hours that I'm staring at my face and, and finding ways to change it. That's not good. 
It's not good for me. No, it's not good for you, but it's also not good for any, like, I guess I can't say normal because this could possibly be our new normal now. In the sense of like, I don't think I ever spent longer than maybe like if when I was growing up and even when I was in Hollywood, like even when I was like work and when everything had to do with the way that I looked. Yeah. I would get ready, obviously, before going to whatever event I was going to. I would, you know, wake up in the morning and do that. And I would maybe look at myself in the mirror in total for the entire like day. If I was getting ready, maybe an hour and a half the whole day. Dude, that's right. Because I would have to go if you go to what's what I'm saying, getting ready, looking at yourself. You just said it took you an hour to get ready today. That's today. Not when I was 25. When I was 25, I just left. No, but but I, you know, putting the clothes on and do it like, let's just say and maybe the whole day. But I would go to work. I wasn't looking at myself there. I was looking at other people. I I was at a party. I wasn't looking at myself. I was looking at other people, except when I went to the bathroom. Right. Because there's a mirror and you can like, you know, whatever. Right. But other than that, I wasn't doing that. Whereas now, every time if people turn cameras on, you're looking at yourself for hours upon hours a day. The whole time. Who does that? We do it now. But I mean, could you imagine? It's weird. Being in a city, like sitting in a restaurant with somebody and then having a picture, a mirror next to the person you're looking at and you're constantly looking at yourself. Like, it's so weird. Not to mention when you do make TikToks, you have to edit yourself. Like yes. you're still staring at yourself, yes, when, you're still staring yourself when you're not recording because you have to scrub. And like, if you make a funny face or if you like, you know, sometimes the thumbnails are you looking drunk and out of your mind, like it's just annoying. But I mean, you know, we've been bitching about video all this time. Like I just thought this article was so interesting that it's like, Hey, I mean, the end of it basically says, you know, should women make video podcasts? And and the end of it is just, you know, if you don't do the things that you want to do because bad people don't like it, you let them win. So do what yep. you want. If you can only make, you know, if you want to make video, do it. If you don't, then don't. Yep. Um, you know, totally. We, we do. But, I, you know, I do like seeing you when I talk to you. So there's that. I know there's you don't that. like it as much. You like to be on the phone and. I like to be cooking and doing things. No, but I i mean, I get it. And this and again, Lindsay does a fantastic job outlining all of this in this article. Like it's very yeah, in-depth. She spent is. a She's lot great. of time putting this together. It is a long article. It is not something you can scroll through and look through. And almost every sentence is worth a show, like everything that she puts in here. But just to even bring a little bit more awareness into this, into the mix as well. Yes, we do get a lot of feedback, especially when it comes to women's voices. We've heard that on She Podcast all the time, where you get people going like, why does her voice sound like this? You know, and all of that kind of stuff. We do get a lot of that, but it's even worse on video. Right. Yeah. Someone. Do you remember when we were uh, we were streaming it live on video and someone called me like a porker or something? It was something of not. It was was something like, what is that? I was like, no one's ever called me that before. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I don't even know if I internalized it or what. But like, okay, it was not good. Andrea says some of my high school students don't like live streaming. They have to see themselves. And I suggest turning their self view off. And they say that's worse. Hmm, I mean, that's, I mean, I, I don't know what that, but it's, it's all I can say is it's super challenging because there's also the other aspect, because if you don't monitor yourself, you might end up when doing something very weird on camera, which is another thing. So here's the other thing, because if you like, like turn what? that off, 
slumping or like, you know, picking your nose and like because you forget that the camera's there. And then it's just yeah, it's that anxiety exactly what she yeah. said. It's like I don't know what I look like and then you don't know where that camera yeah, is and you just have to monitor and when you see that there's a camera there it's a con i know that we were just saying how annoying it is but it is a constant reminder that there's something else there and i know that there's been a couple of times when i'll come here and i'll be waiting for you and i'm doing something and then i realize oh shit i've been on camera this whole time not that i'd be embarrassed but the fact that what if this was a lot like people would seem like there's yeah. something about not ha- having people look at you and you don't know that they're looking at you. That's a weird thing. See, right? if you were on TikTok, you would know that there are people live streaming on TikTok while they're sleeping, showering, well, of course, but cooking. that's like they're not saying anything. The camera is just on like at the Truman Show. It's crazy. But this has been a thing forever went since prior to TikTok. But yeah, the. The idea of not knowing that that camera is there is also kind of weird. And and to add to the mix, what uh, Lindsay was said in, in this article, too, that we haven't talked about is that about Pew Research, she put a Pew Research study about online harassment, and they found that women are three times as likely as men to face sexual harassment online. Sexual harassment of women has doubled in the past in the previous three years. The rate of sexual harassment of men remained nearly the same. Oh, imagine that. Women targeted by online harassment reported it as more upsetting than their male counterparts reported it. I mean, clearly, it's it's just showing us that we need to start you know, we're way behind the eight ball on sexually harassing men. We have to get started immediately. <laughs> like, we've got a lot of catching Clearly. up to do. A is ton that what of that catching is? up to do. Find whichever hot guy on internet on the internet you're obsessed with and just go and, I don't know, send him a, a pee pic. So, I don't know. Okay, so there's something that I, I've never said, I've never, like, spoken about this in the past, but I let can't me... can't think of anything else men do to sexually harass women except dick pics. <laughs> So I'm like trying to do the, you know, do oh the equivalent God. of that maybe and see if they like it. Or, you I know, just tell. They whatever, don't sorry, even care. They would probably be. But I anyway. just went off on a tangent. You're trying to say something important and I'm like floating off into space. Go um, ahead. Okay. So I'm going to share like, so the, here's another bit in there. And then I'm going to share my experience in terms of YouTube and and, and as a creator. And, and we'll talk about it here in a moment. Right. So YouTube has proven a particularly dangerous space for women. Not only is it a hub for all kinds of information, but I'm assuming this is disinformation, but it's also a gateway for insight forums, misogynist, anti-Semitic and anti-LGBTQ plus groups use YouTube as bait to hook on happy young men, radicalize them and incite them to commit violence. Incel is involuntarily celibate, meaning women will not have sex with them. Yeah. Okay. And now they're angry about it. That's an incel. That's an incel. Okay. Now we know. Now I was, as anything else, a very, very early adopter of YouTube. Like I started creating YouTube videos way before it was cool to do so. And I was using other YouTube, uh, not YouTube type platforms. I was live streaming before it was very, very cool. I used to live stream in my apartment and do classes way back then using Ustream. So I started to create these videos on YouTube and I still have my channel that I, and so you'll have the receipts, the receipts are there, but I stopped because of the comments and I didn't have it in me 
to be okay with people nitpicking my face because it literally was my face. There was like one person who was like, look at this girl. She's on there and look at how dry her lips are. And I was like, (laughs) what the hell? What the hell? I know. And then I was like, what do you mean dry? And they would go into it. Like, look at how dry her lips are. They are caking up. How does she stay? And I was like, these are so horrible. Like they were really like in there to like any little, and mind you, my lips did not look dry. Like it was one of those weird things oh, where you're just like the point though. Well, that's not the point. And so I started to feel incredibly awkward and uh, uh, like afraid. And so I stopped putting videos up way back then because I was, I didn't like it. And then I didn't go into YouTube after that. I didn't want to, I was afraid of YouTube comments. I didn't want to deal with YouTube. I couldn't handle YouTube comments. And I never created any YouTube videos for years, like almost 10 years because of my initial experience being in that platform. And I think back and I go, wow, I literally could have done so much on YouTube. Like I, I had a thousand people subscribe to my YouTube channel, Jess. In like 2006. A thousand? A thousand in 2006. All that fame gone to waste. All that fame. Sad. But I stopped. I could have, like, you thinking back, I'm like, I could have done so much in YouTube in terms of like, because I was really into it. I was like creating content. I was doing the thing. I was putting the stuff out. I had all these videos that I was doing. And Mm -hmm. I just stopped doing anything on YouTube because I was afraid. I didn't want to get that feedback. I didn't want to deal with those ugly comments. And there were trolls in there I didn't want to deal with. And it was all because people were commenting on my appearance, you know, and that's like one of those key places where I think as a woman, as women, we are extra sensitive about that. And even if you anybody else can tell you, oh, don't worry about it. Oh, you're fine. Or you're beautiful. You're great. And maybe, you know, whatever. But if somebody's like, oh, your lips are dry. You're you're going to be like, what are you supposed to do about that? I, I, that's what I'm saying. And so whatever. Jeez. So I the anxiety that I felt around that, like I was just thinking like, wow, I made a decades long choice, essentially, in terms of content creation, because somebody commented on what I look like. And so that tells you the power of what that does. And I'm sure there's a lot of younger people who are going through that older people, whatever, any age. Mm -hmm. It's just it's a lot. It's a lot to think about. It is. We could go on all day. In fact, we we have, I think. In fact, we have. And I think that we're getting ready to uh, wrap it up here, y'all. But do please shout out Lindsay. Tell her what a wonderful work she's doing over at the podcast host. And please read that entire article and share it because we need to get more visibility for folks who are doing really wonderful work, especially like Lindsay, uh, writing and podcasting that often, again, don't get really picked up very much and their work is really overlooked in a lot of different ways. There's very few people who get coverage for their really wonderful work in terms of writing. So thanks, Lindsay, for all your stuff. It just started pouring here. All my light went away except for my ring light. You look very cute still, though. I mean, that's nice. Thank you. See, you do love me. Don't break up with me, Elsie. <laughs> We're married. We're, oh my God. You married, We're married me. We're married. We're bestie married. We're not We're married. romantically married. Oh my God. We're married. You married, We're married. me. You said forever, and I heard you say I do. 
Oh my Who God, else my is your wife if not me? Who else is your wife if not? I know, right? I mean, seriously. It's me. All right. Anyway. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching us live. If you're watching us live, if you want to catch us on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, TikTok, I think that's it. Go to at She Podcasts. We are also at ShePodcasts.com for all the links from everything that you heard today, the articles, etc. Do not forget to buy a ticket to She Podcast Live. You could be our only hope at this point. You could be so, our only hope. Y'all need to yeah. buy a ticket and buy another make, one. If our sponsors go the way that they've been going, you're all I've got, y'all. Just buy your tickets because um, there's layoffs, there's budget crunches, and, and that doesn't leave me in a very good position. But it, I'll, I'll be okay as long as you buy a ticket. Exactly. <laughs> cpodcastlive.com and don't forget to nominate someone for the awards March Woo-hoo! 31st is the last day so please do it go to sonicbloomawards.com nominate your favorite independent podcaster thank you so much again for being here we love you Mina. bye <laughs>